RadioInfluence.com. Hey, gang, welcome into the A Place for My Head podcast. As usual, he is Brandon Thompson. My name is Jerry P. Tuck. Brandon, how you holding up, brother? Um, I'm holding up. We're, I'm, I'm still at home, like most people, I hope, I think. <laughs> I was saying, are, are you going through the whole cabin fever, tired, my body clock is out of whack, uh, I can't get anything done, achiness, what the hell's going on with my life type thing going on that everybody uh, else has? L- a, l- a little. Yeah, I can say that. I've had some kind of nasal thing going on for a while, and everybody keeps thinking I have the thing or whatever, but I don't. Um, <laughs> other than that, uh, I, the most common thing is what day is it? I can't figure out what day it is sometimes. Uh, I, I gave up on that. A lot of that. times, actually. <laughs> I, I totally gave up on that like a week ago. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Tough yeah. Just, you know, it, it's tough because everybody's going through the same thing. And, you know, I, I'm sure this week's guest who, who we'll get to here in a second can totally relate to all of this. Um, but but yeah, just, you know, to my, my best advice to everybody is just keep your head up. We're all in this crazy ass shit together. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll get through it, you know. Yep. That's all we can really do, man. Now. Let's get to the meat of the matter. I said we had a guest this week, and uh, it's somebody I'm actually really excited to talk to. I, I know she's communicated back and forth with Brandon, and this is the first opportunity uh, her and I have had a chance to talk a little bit. But uh, she's a Philly native out of Pennsylvania, University of Arizona alumni. She was a, a women's volleyball player there, just moved to California. She's pursuing her career in pro beach volleyball. Her name is Kenzie Cleespees. God, I hope hey, I pronounced. Did, did, I, did I pronounce that right? It's Clespies, but you were really close. You're closer than most people. My last name is Peacock, so I've gotten everything from Peacock to Pizza Hut. To, I, <laughs> so okay, so it's Kenzie Clespies, and yes. uh, we really appreciate the time. And uh, I, I know you and Brandon have been talking back and forth quite a bit. And uh, you know how did how did you guys connect? Um, on Instagram, actually, I uh, especially recently with everything that's been going on. I've been trying to um, use Instagram as like a medium or a platform to talk about my mental health. Um, I've been kind of going out of my way to bring up, you know, anxiety and depression and kind of try to break the stigma a little bit um, using my Instagram. So uh, he saw a couple of my posts and said, hey, like uh, I just asking if I could come on to the show. And I was like, yes, that would be so awesome. Uh, I've never uh, done anything like this before, like discussed mental health like this before. Um, so publicly. So I'm really excited to be on here. I'm, I'm really stoked. Her, her, um, her bio, I just have to throw it out there. It says mental health. Is it warrior? Yeah, it's warrior. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I guess I was a little intrigued. I need, we needed a warrior on the show. So, Yes, for sure. <laughs> That's like my beach volleyball aspect. I'm a, I'm a hard worker. <laughs> I like that term. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's awesome. You, you had mentioned, you know, trying to get through the the struggle with, with your mental health. And, you know, I, I know uh, you guys have talked a little bit about, you know, your anxiety and, and dealing with depression. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your background. Uh, I, I know you grew up in, in Philly. You're a Philly native and, you know, I, I, Philly's not an easy place to grow up. Uh, you know, I, I saw that your mom was actually a volleyball player. Is that true? Yes. So my mom was actually born in Denver uh, and my dad was born in Reno. So they're uh, more West Coast people. 
Um, and then when my mom was pursuing her indoor career, she was in Southern California. And that is originally where I was born. But then my dad's job transferred us when I was five. Um, so I just say I'm from Philly because I was only five when we moved. Um, so my dad's job transferred us. And we, um, I mean, it was like a huge culture shock for all of us. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I really like it. It was nice growing up in an environment like that. Um, honestly, I think it made me like kind of tougher and it gave me a little bit of an edge because, you know, people out there are a little, little tougher than like the West Coast kind of vibe. So uh, it definitely makes me appreciate being out here with the weather that we have and, you know, the opportunities that are out here. I can definitely appreciate the resources that I get when I'm in Southern California. So, Yeah. Yeah, Philly certainly has that reputation of being being the the tough guy image, and I know you know just uh, from the sports world, Tampa Bay and Philly kind of has this rivalry. I don't know if Philly looks at it that way, but I know Tampa Bay does. So anytime we, anytime, you know, you know, I, I don't like to brag, but when the Bucks won the Super Bowl, we did beat the Eagles to get there. And then, you know, I'm just saying, the first game back, you know, the next season, we opened up the the link there, and. Uh, well, we beat them there too, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying. Am I, am I talking shit? Cause I, I don't mean to. I, sorry. Some, some smack talk. It's okay. <laughs> I'm an Eagles fan. I'm an Eagles fan. I'm used to it. I'm sorry. I, we, you know, we won't hold that against you. So, so the volleyball thing obviously runs in the family. Is, is that, you know, did your love of that come from your mom or, or was it something that you just picked up and, and ran with or? Uh, that's actually really funny. So, um, when I was younger, um, we all, I have three sisters also. So all four of us are really athletic and we were just always super into sports. Um, so my parents had to sign up for, uh, sports that besides volleyball, because they wanted to make sure that they weren't like pushing this, pushing volleyball on us. Right. And they kind of wanted us to get there on our own and decide what we wanted to do. And, um, they kind of just let us be our own people. So I actually always tell people that sometimes my parents, I would have to leave volleyball early to go to a different sport. And I would be like, I am not having this. Like, I want to be at volleyball. Like, why are you guys making me do all these other sports? So it's really funny because I just fell in love with it. Um, after my mom was done playing, she was a coach in Southern California and back in Philadelphia. So, um, I was actually in the gym and I went to my first volleyball game when I was 10 days old and my dad was holding me in the stands while my mom was out there coaching. So I just grew up around it and I fell in love with it. And it's definitely in my DNA and it's in my sister's DNA. I'm just, um, we really love it. I mean, it's, it's definitely a huge part of my life. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome that they that they backed off like that and that you discovered on your own because, you know, I know so many athletes that, you know, their parents tried basically tried to live through them. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it can be tough, especially, you know, with, with your mom being a, an Olympian herself, you know, trying to live up to that, you know, that, that stature, that, you know, living, you, you don't want to live in her shadow. You want to be your own person. Yeah. And it's so hard sometimes for athletes to break that. You see so many second generation athletes that struggle and, you know, I'm glad that, you know, for your sake that they were smart enough to back off and let you figure out you want to do it on your own and not, not force feed it to you. Yeah, for sure. And I think it also helps. So in my family, we're like some of the most competitive. Um, we have like, 
time at board games because <laughs> we're just really competitive. But um, it's really helpful because we're all like very different. So we all play different positions. We're all different heights. We all kind of have different attitudes out on the court. So um, it's definitely, I mean, we've never really had a hard time with um, the competition of, oh, like whose team made it farther in this tournament or uh, like, how did you play today? Oh, I didn't play very well. But we've all just been like really supportive and just such a healthy environment for all of us. And like I said, it's so nice that my parents didn't push it on us so that we had our, our own chance to kind of grow the love by ourselves for the game. Um, so yeah, uh, it was definitely a really healthy environment. And it's awesome because I have three sisters and uh, they were kind of always there to like help me train or be my workout buddy or um, like we have like a weight room in our basement back home. And it's like more of like a buddy to go along with rather than like my actual competition. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, so many times, like I said, you, you see parents force feed, you know, stuff like that, mm-hmm. or, you know, you, you hear the horror stories of, of little league moms and little league yeah. dads, you know, rating coaches and going after umpires. And I know I saw some of that when I was a kid myself and it's like, you I know, went yeah. through that. I, 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 no, no joke. When I was, uh, I've been throughout my life with soccer and um when i wasn't playing or traveling with my teams i was i was refing um you know like under 12 games and you know as i got older up and up and whatever but when you did those like uh six and under ones or eight and under ones you (laughs) you had to watch out for the handbags because if you did something wrong to one of those mother's childs or not even wrong just made a bad call or didn't see something or they just went crazy on you that thing would just start swinging at you like like <laughs> they were so aggressive uh, it's like watching like any of those uh, football movies that uh, football teams that are in high school high school in like Texas they're like cutthroat parents so uh, i've been through it man it's crazy <laughs> Yeah. And it definitely helps that my dad, um, he went to the, uni- my, both my parents actually went to the university of Arizona as well. Uh, bear down, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, my dad was actually on the track and field team. He threw the shot put in discus. So it was nice to have, um, cause volleyball is just so different than track and he has like a lot of inputs and like opinions that are different than my mom. So they definitely make a really good uh, team, a really good combination for all, all four of us. So. And that was one thing I was talking to her about um, that, you know, I, I asked her if she had a teammate. Uh, I, I typically, I figured she did because it's beach volleyball and I've watched enough of that on Olympics and stuff um, because you know, I was referring to tennis players and stuff like men's when they're in a grueling match and what a big fan I am. But when they're in a grueling match, it's almost at four hours. You know, they're their own team, their own person. There's no coaching. There's no nothing. You have to you have to stick with it and not only perform your best, but also, you know, talk to yourself and get yourself mm-hmm. through uh, adversity by yourself. And what strong, uh, you know, mental capacity you have to have to you know endure that and go through it it's just i feel for them sometimes especially when you're when you're overwhelmed with emotion when a match ends or whether you win or lose it's just you give your everything and uh you know i can only imagine what they're telling themselves in their head because when they get real pissed off then obscenities come out so you can only imagine what's really being said in their head so i mean you know it's just like it's, I, I just have a lot of respect for athletes that have to really, really, really focus. And uh, mental is such a uh, mental health and mental 
I guess prep um, is is such a big part of it. I imagine same thing like with golf, even even if it's not a, a contact sport by means, but but it you know you still have to be accurate, and there are so many different things that go through your mind before you swing that club. Um, you know, it's just more power to everybody in it. Well, sports, I would say sports and sports like that, it's more psychological than it is physical. Right, right. Uh, you know, the mental side of that is just insane because, you know, you mentioned golf. You know, you hit one shot out of whack and you're going to beat yourself up for it, you know. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure Kenzie can speak on this a little bit. You know, you never want to be the guy to make the bad play or the, the you know, mishit something or shank something or you know, yeah. because, it, you know, there are a lot of people, it, it throws them off, you know, for the entire rest of the round or the whole whole rest of the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. So I, when I was younger, uh, one of the sports that I was signed up for was swimming and I, I swam for like 10 years and I just remember thinking like, wow, I'm just by myself in this sport. Like your head is in the water. You don't really have like your teammates cheering you on or helping you out or supporting you as much. It just felt so alone. And that's when I realized that I need a team. Like I need someone to be there for me with, to be there for me when we lose and someone to be there for me when we win. And just like the connection and the relationship out on the court is so important. And beach volleyball is even, I mean, it's, it's even more important because there's only two of you and you're in the sand and it's really hard and you have to cover this whole court. So it's like, it's awesome. Cause it's such a, it's a sport where communication um, and the relationship with your partner, the chemistry with your partner, like all that stuff is so important. And that's what kind of gives you an edge over the other team. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I would imagine it's kind of the same with like tennis doubles as well, but yeah, I mean, you, 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 uh, you, you, he mentioned, Jerry mentioned like the shank or the wrong shot and how it can just throw you off. Um, and you know, these, these people have, they're in the stands watching them, right? You have family and friends and significant others and all that kind of stuff watching, you know, you give, give your best and play your heart out. Same thing with any of the other sports we were talking about. And, you know, you don't just disappoint yourself. You feel like you're disappointing them. And that's mm-hmm. gotta be a terrible feeling, you know, like, Oh, I just did that. Like, damn it. And you think, what are they thinking right now? You know, it's, it's not that I think that that's unhealthy by any means. I think it's natural. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but it's, it's taxing, right? It's got a way on you, I'm sure. Yes. But at the, so it's funny that you say that because you, you are trying to play without fear. That's kind of how I see it because my mom always used to say, if you don't want the ball to find you, or if you're trying to hide from the ball, then the ball is going to find you. Mm -hmm. Like if you're like, Oh, I don't want to get served. Like, that comes off in your body language. It comes off like you can see that you're not confident and that's when you're going to mess up when you're timid, when you're playing with fear, when you're thinking about instead of, Oh, I hope they serve me when you're thinking, Oh, I hope I don't get served. That's when you kind of like let your guard down and that's not the type of attitude that you want to aspire to have out on the court. You want to be like, go ahead, serve me again. Even if you mess up, like that's kind of how I play. If someone, you know, if I shank a a pass or if I miss a hit, I'm like, give it to me again. Give it to me again. Like I won't mess it up this time. I got it. Like I want to redeem myself. I want to rip again. I want to try again. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I do the same thing. I try to coach. Like, I mean, I'm a huge Roger Federer fan. So I like, I'll wake up at whatever time in the morning I have to to catch his matches and like whatever Wimbledon comes around. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen this year, but, um, you know, and he's in the final and it's, you know, going for, I'm like, I'm like every point, play next point, play next mm-hmm. point, play next yes. point. Yes. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Pacing all over the house. So I get it. Yeah. I'll say, you have I have a short memory. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The best advice I ever got growing up playing ball and, and I, yeah, I obviously never played on the level you played, but yeah, played baseball up to, to high school and stuff. And, and the best advice I ever got was don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because as soon as you start thinking your reactions slow down and when your reactions yeah. slow down, that's when you get in trouble. Yeah, yep. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and, no, no, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Okay. <laughs> well, I was going to say, um, one of the thing that, things that's really helped me being out here in California and training with the best and watching the best train is um, I went to an ADP qualifier and I watched one of my um, favorite players uh, play and she got blocked like three times in a row, straight down. Like, And that's kind of like a, a really mental point because the other team is kind of taking the point from you it's 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 not good to get blocked and she got blocked right. three times in a row and um she just kept swinging and kept staying aggressive and just was like the last point didn't even happen the last mistake didn't even happen like she was going up 100 percent confident and she ended up winning the game and it's like you're not going to play a perfect game. It's impossible. So it's about who can bounce back the quickest from the mistakes, who has the shortest memory, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the old analogy about chopping down a tree, you know, it takes more than one hack to chop down a tree. You just got to keep pounding and pounding and pounding. And, and I, I totally get it. And, you know, that's, it, it takes a, a, a special, special kind of athlete to make it to the level that you have. And, you know, we talk about working as a team and, you know, communication and, you know, I'm sure, you know, you mentioned anxiety and stuff like that before, you know, that can really wear on you. Yeah, it definitely can. Um, a lot of times when I'm having a bad day, um, with my mental health, I just remind myself that, you know, I'm out on the beach. I'm with my friends. I'm out in Southern California. Like even my bad days are still not bad days. You know, it's like, you just have to kind of play with no expectation and think, you know, I'm just lucky to be here. I'm lucky to not have a torn ACL. I'm lucky to be able to run on the beach and have a family that supports me. So, um, I just try not to have too many expectations and just think, um, cause I actually tell people that there are a lot of other athletes who were more talented than I was, but didn't pursue it. Didn't like say, sure, I'll move across the country. Sure. I'll make this effort. They just kind of were like, okay, like I'm done with volleyball in my life. I'm, I'm ready to move on to the next step. So, um, it's not always just about talent. Sometimes it's just about showing up, like even on your bad days, like just show up and get whatever you can out of it. Like, even if it's only 30%, that's still better than not being there. You know, um, so I just try to think like, what's the most I can get out? Like just, even just one thing that I can take away from this practice or this day, um, just one thing I can get better at. And I, I like to break things down. Um, so it's not so overwhelming where it's like, oh, I have this three hour practice and then I have to go lift and oh, then I have to go to work. I'm just going to be so tired. Uh, the program I'm a part of is called Platform 1440. And that's because there's four, 1,440 minutes in the day. And what are you supposed to do with those minutes? And so I like to break it down to even just a minute. It makes it so I can like wrap my mind around it and it makes it so it's not like a, this huge mountain in front of me that I have to climb. It's okay. Well, what am I doing this minute? How can I get better? Or maybe I need to take a break and that will help me in the next minute, 10 minutes or, you know, so I just like to break things down like that. And it helps me to get through things on, even on my bad days. 
I never knew that there were that many minutes in a day. I learned something. <laughs> yeah, neither did I. I didn't know that either until I was part of this program. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I, I, when you told me that yesterday, I thought for sure it was like something that happened, uh, uh, um, you know, at some point to the person running it or the organization at 14, mm-hmm. what was it, 1440, you said, right? And yes. Yeah, so I'm thinking military time. Like, military. What does 240 have to do with anything? Huh? <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's very interesting. And like, you know, it, just just listening to all that, and it take like like Jerry said, it takes a certain person um, to become an athlete like that. Mental strength, and and you know, you realizing that you're on the beach. You know, I try I used to try to bury that into people's minds all the time. I'm like. Your actions are going to be what makes you successful or make you or or it's going to be your downfall. Always give your best self and you'll get the best in return. Um, You know, it's how you show up every single day, no matter what you're doing, whether it's playing a sport, going to work, going to see friends and family, uh, any of those things, how you show up is what you get back. I mean, I'm a firm, firm believer in that, but you know what? It's, it's easier said than done because we've all been, we've all been grounded. You know, we've all, we've all had crazy, crazy shit happen to us. I mean, everybody knows my crazy shit, Jerry's, you know, complications and whatnot and what, what he goes through. And we all, I mean, like I, I always say it, you know, it's unfortunate that we've all had to be somewhere to actually be able to understand each other on this level. And, um, you know, we, you know, I've gone in the depths of uh, my anxiety and what I do and what I tell myself. And, you know, I, I had someone close to me not so long ago, just like break down in front of me. And I'm like, what's going on? I mean, it just, just could not control and started listening to things that they were that they were overwhelmed with, and part of it's what, what what's going on around the world right now. It's a huge part because it's a big adjustment um, to your work life, to your home life, and all that. But I'm you know I'm just like look around you real quick, you know, look around you real quick. Yes, you're wearing, exactly. You're wearing clothes. You're wearing yeah. shoes. You're yeah, not hungry. I- I always like to say you're allowed to like your pain is valid, but I think it's important to keep things in perspective. Like, yeah, you might be having a bad day where you feel depressed and you don't want to get out of bed and you're allowed to feel that pain. But like, just know that you're still blessed and you're still like a very, very lucky because things can always be better, but things can also always be worse. Like things can always be worse. So it's just good to keep things in perspective. Yeah. And what I was really getting at, you know, is, you know, our past, uh, I guess that's wrong. Our past isn't what makes us. We make what we are every single day. But um, we can't yeah, but, say but at the I, end of the day, our, our past does have a big influence on, yeah. you know, who we are. So, oh, yeah. I mean, my parents show me exactly what not to be as an adult, a, uh, you know, a husband, a father. Um, I know exactly what not to do. So thank you. but like without that past without those things that i went through without the you know the challenges that that came along i think that you know one of the worst things for me was growing up and still remembering certain things that happened to me very very vividly and just realizing how how much it 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 really killed me man like as a kid and then learning as as an adult um that that uh, what was going on was was um, you know mental abuse and just 
psychologically messing with someone when they're young and impressionable. And our last guest last week, I believe, were we discussing, Jerry, something about like we find ourselves in our 20s, or, like we really find out who we are between our 20s and early 30s? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I had never really thought about it until she had said it, but she's right. You know, your formative years are your teenage years where you're in high school and and that kind of stuff. But you really, and I, like I said, I never thought about it until she said it, but you really don't stop growing up on that level until you're, you know, 25 or 30. I would say, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, at 25, between 25 and 30 and even, even the early thirties, you're still discovering by about 35, I think, is when people generally get to fit. They, they start to really, really figure it out. But man, what you kind of put together, piece together like a puzzle, so to, so to speak, uh, and what's going on around you, and you really realize the truth, it can get kind of ugly. But you know what? I, w- I, wouldn't be de- I wouldn't be sitting here right now if it wasn't for those things. So yeah. I can't say I want to relive them, but uh, definitely I, I appreciate very much where I am today. Well, and the thing yeah. is, you know, you, you never stop learning. You know, it's a, it's a maturity thing. It's not a, it's not a knowledge thing. It's a maturity thing. And, you okay. know, I, I'm a firm believer because we all have that one knucklehead in our life that, you know, is, you know, the one that never grew up and, you know, acts like a 12 year old and, you know, <laughs> is just a yeah. fiddle fuck all the way around. Yeah. But, you know, you still keep them around though. Come on. Well, yeah, because they're, they're, they're cheap entertainment, but, <laughs> exactly. yeah, but you know, you reach a point where, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, in life, you know, everybody has a crossroads where they have a decision to go, okay, I'm going to do what's right for me and stay on the straight and narrow or, you know, I'm going to go down the wrong path. And, you know, that, that's a choice that everybody has to make. And, you know, uh, in, in one form or another, um, you know, and it's just one of those things. Again, it's a maturity thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for you sure. Know, so, you know, Kenzie, in, in your case, I know, uh, you, you've mentioned, you know, the anxiety and some of the depression you've dealt with, you know, where, when, and where did you realize that, that, that stuff was affecting you? Um, so I actually, when I was younger, I think my parents just always knew that I was just a little different mentally and needed a little bit more support because they would talk to me about things like that when I was young. And just recently I asked my older sisters, I was like, yeah, didn't mom and dad talk to you about like depression and stuff when you were little? And they were like, no. And I was like, oh, it was just me. Oh, like, wow. Um, so, uh, yeah, cause it runs in my family. So my dad suffers from depression, uh, not as much anxiety, but he suffers from depression. So he kind of saw it in me before I even did. And then, um, when I was in college, my, uh, baby sister, uh, the little baby of the family was diagnosed with type one diabetes. Um, I think she was only 14. So that was just like kind of a trigger in my brain. Um, and it just like switched and I just was having a really hard time. Um, I would be like sitting in the car with the windows down and music and I'd be with my friends and I just feel like, you know, this isn't right. Like I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should be 
like feeling, you know, I, I was in a depression. I wasn't feeling anything. I was like, I could care less what's happening right now. And I don't think that that's normal. And um, my best friend uh, in college at the time was like, I talked to her about it because I knew that she kind of had some struggles. Um, and she was like, I think we need to go to a doctor and you should see a doctor and talk to them. And so uh, I was diagnosed with depression when I was 19. Um, so a little early, but it, it was just always, I mean, I was always just, I'm, I'm a very emotional person and I've always been, I mean, with the depression, it's funny because it's like, I don't have any emotions and I'm like, just so blah. I'm like, just like a gray blob. But then with anxiety, um, I'm already a very, um, active, like hyper kind of person. And so when I add anxiety on top of that, it's exhausting. <laughs> so it's just like every day is like a roller coaster. And, um, I just try to take it like, one day at a time, like I said, because I could be feeling depressed today, but no feeling is permanent. So it's like, all right, well, I'm just going to get through tomorrow and hopefully tomorrow I'll feel a little better. Um, so, and then with my anxiety, um, I actually had a triggering event in college. Um, I was almost sexually assaulted. And I think that that triggered my anxiety because, uh, when you're thinking and you're thinking with like spiral thinking, you're like, Oh, everything is going to be worst case scenario. Like everything's going to be horrible. Like this is how it's going to turn out. And things haven't even turned out yet. Like you have no idea. And you're just assuming like, Oh, today's going to be so bad. Like, you know, my boyfriend's going to break up with me or something horrible is going to happen. I can just feel it. And um, I think that that's because it was almost the case for me is that I'd been near one of the worst case scenarios. Um, something had almost something really bad had almost happened to me. Um, and then from then on out, I was like, always like really nervous, always like, Oh, I got to watch my back. Uh, just like kind of paranoid. It kind of kicked in the paranoia of anxiety. Um, no, that's, and so, that's completely understandable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was rough. Um, but like I said, things could always be worse. Like, yes, it was a traumatic experience for me, but like it, I ended up being one of the lucky ones and I had friends that were there to help me and kind of save me. <laughs> um, and I had a really good support system. Uh, I had a boyfriend and he was really supportive because sometimes, you know, your significant other isn't supportive. Right. Um, so I, um, and I, I ended up seeing a therapist after that for a little while, which helped too. But, um, that's kind of when the anxiety kicked in was when it was kind of a traumatic event that brought all these new emotions in. And then like for the next like year, I was just so nervous, like just so nervous all the time. It was horrible. Not, not, <laughs> not, not to have you relive it or anything, but I think you told me yesterday, like didn't, wasn't someone trying to like beat down your dorm door or something like that? Yes. So what happened was I was living in an apartment or more of a house actually with two other girls. And, um, one of the girl's boyfriends had a friend that we ran into at a party and, um, George, uh, the guy, the boyfriend was like, Oh yeah, come over. Like you can sleep on their couch. It's not a big deal. So, in hindsight, I mean, I learned so many lessons. First of all, don't let strangers sleep over on your couch in your house, um, <laughs> which is tough because it's like, I don't know, having things like this happen to you makes you not trust people. So right. it kind of sucks because you put your guards up and really, I'm a really nice person. I'm really compassionate. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You need somewhere to sleep. Go ahead. But now I have to be a little more cautious. Um, so what happened was he was sleeping on the couch or sleeping on the couch and everybody had gone to bed and I wake up in the middle of the night and he's like sitting, I locked both of my doors before I went to bed 
and I wake up in the middle of the night and he's in my room, like oh touching my, my leg. Oh my God. Touching my leg, oh my. like trying to wake me up. And what the I think, hell? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was horrible. <laughs> so I think he thought that I was like going to be passed out, but I wasn't, I was like awake. I really hadn't had that much to drink. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, who is this stranger that is in my bed? And so I was like, okay. Uh, it's kind of like the fight or flight. Um, and I was like, yeah. just flight. Like, I just need to get this guy out of here. Um, he wasn't a, I mean, I'm an athlete and he wasn't a big dude. So I was like, if worse comes worse, like I could probably take him. <laughs> yeah. wow. I was like, I could probably take him. Like, I'm not worried about that. I just don't want to have to have it come to that. You know? So I was like, Oh, just get out of my room. Like, I don't know who you are. Um, and then I locked my door and, um, like 10 minutes later, I obviously couldn't go to sleep. Like 10 minutes later, I well, hear how, my how door. Did you, how, like, say, how did you get him out? Oh, I was just like, Oh, sorry. Like I was just really nice, which sounds annoying. And it sounds like wimpy, but I was just like, I need to do whatever I need to do to keep the situation calm, to it's get insane. this person away from me. Yeah, exactly. So like 10 minutes later, after I kicked him out of my room, I hear him trying to pick the lock. And so I had to like hold, yeah, again. So I had to hold my doorknob like, and like not let him in. And I was like, oh my God, where's my phone? And I had to call McKenna, um, my, my roommate at the time. And I was like, McKenna, like, I need help. I need you to come over here and like, help me get this guy away. Like he needs to get out. Like he's trying to get into my room. And they were, they were so helpful. They were like, just, I didn't have to see him again after that. They got him out and it was just, I mean, I called my dad and I was like sobbing and he was like, is everything okay? Like you didn't like, you know, you didn't get raped, right? Oh my God. Like it was just such a traumatic experience. And I was like, no, I was so lucky. And that's, what's funny is I'm like unlucky because this happened to me, but then I'm super lucky because I didn't, you know, it wasn't the worst case scenario. I got out of there. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was really crazy. Um, but it was a, a while ago. And like I said, I mean, I was nervous for a, like a solid year. Um, and I was just like, it was like, I would wake up and I'd be like, God, when am I going to get over this? Like, why is this still hanging over my head every day I wake up? Like, it's traumatic. normal. Yes, exactly. And like it's I said, like, your pain is valid. You shouldn't be like, oh, why am I feeling like this? Like, I shouldn't be feeling like this. But it's like, you should feel whatever you need to feel to get over something like that. You, you, know? you can't, you can't really put, you can't really push that, that those feelings aside, just forget that happened and move on yeah. to the next moment of life. It's not like hitting a ball out out of bounds it's totally yeah, different exactly. totally different and, and the scary scariest shit about that story and, and it's terrible and i'm so sorry that it happened to you but i'm so happy that you made it out of it um, yes, exactly it's such a common like the, with the story you told before before it got ugly it's such a seems like such a normal night in college right Exactly. You drink, yeah. go party, go home. Everybody's being friendly. Next thing you know, this guy's up to no good. Like, yes. Jerry, make sure you save this so I can access it in ten years. You so got I can it. Play it from without it. <laughs> I was like, you were totally yeah. reading my mind because that's that's exactly where I was going to go with that. Was that you know? It sounds uh, like a normal night. Well, unfortunately, yeah. you know, this it, it's more common than people think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's yeah, scary sadly. as hell because, you know, you go to college, you know, you know, you're going to have your fun, you know, you're going to you know, do your party and you're going to do your drink and you're, you're there to learn, you're there to experience life. But then you've got people like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm literally sitting here with my mouth open because it's it, blows, just, yeah. it, it blows your mind. 
It blows your mind. I, I don't. I don't even. I, I don't. I, I can't fathom what runs through somebody's mind that makes them think that's okay to do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, and I, actually, I, just, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I just. I can't fathom. Yeah. I feel like something that has come that's a good thing is when um, I did. So it, I didn't tell anyone about what was happening, and I um, what actually ended up happening was. Um, I came home one day and there was like this little, um, uh, it was like a cement block that was outside my window and someone had been sitting outside my window, like standing on the block, looking into my window. So I, I, I assume, like I told my parents that, and this was only a couple days after like this whole thing happened. Oh my God. Yeah. So I had to call my parents and tell them, uh, like this was happening and they automatically assume, I mean, it's not probably not a coincidence like this. And likely it's the same person that is now stalking me (laughs) and like invading my privacy. And so one of the biggest things that bothered me so much was I was like taking care of myself. I was with my friends all night. I was safely back home. I wasn't drinking too much. And I mean, even if you're doing all of those things, it's still not your fault. But I was like, man, like, I feel like this is just so out of my control. Like there's really not much that I was safe in my home. Like everyone should be able to have privacy and feel safe in their, where they live. So I was like, man, like this is just so out of my control. I just feel like I was doing a good job. I was trying to stay safe. And then I wasn't like, and you start beating just, yourself up and being yeah, exactly. vulnerable it's as like, hell. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. what could I have done? And then it's like, I feel like there's not much more I could have done except now I just don't trust people. I was going like, to say now, now the trust <laughs> issues come in. Yeah, exactly. Now the trust yeah. issues come in. Wow. The sad thing is that like, um, I'll, I'll, so I made a Facebook post. Um, like I said, I like to use my social media as just like a platform to kind of put things out there that aren't really talked about, but I feel like really should be talked about. So when the whole me too thing was happening, I made a post and I sent it out and everyone was like, like so shocked because I'm like a very smiley, upbeat person. And they're like, I just had no idea that this was going on. And it just goes to show that it can happen to anyone and it affects people in so many different ways. Um, um, and so half the people were like, oh, that's really horrible. And then some of the people were like, something like that's happened to me too. Or, you know, I was getting messages from people who had it worse, way, way worse than me saying, thank you so much for, for saying these things. Like, this is what happened to me. And I'd be like, oh my God, that's so horrible. Well, so, it's, an, like it's you another, said, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. It, it's like you said, Brandon, like because that happened to me, like I can find these relationships and it's unfortunate that it all happened, but it's so important that we find each other and that we know that we're not alone in this and that your anxiety telling you, Oh, like it's your fault. Like you're by yourself. Nobody else feels this way. Like you have to deal with this on your own. It's up to you. Like that's not true. There's so many people who have felt the things that you felt and who can relate to you and who can be there for you and support you and you can support them. And so it's just so important to just kind of be self-aware and be like, okay, this isn't my thinking. Like this is my anxiety thinking. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm not by myself. Like I have resources. I have ways that I can get help. So it's good. I really like to, to kind of reflect on the self-aware because it's like you wake up and if you're depressed, you're like, Oh God, why do I feel like this? But you just have to be compassionate with yourself and realize this isn't me. This is, you know, the disorder that's going on in my brain. This is like, 
it's not actually your fault. You just have to be compassionate and try to be as self-aware as you can be. So you can be right. like, oh, well, this is why, like, because I'm depressed. <laughs> That's right. why I yeah. feel like not getting up and not going to work out right away. Like, and I'm not super happy-go-lucky today. It's because something is wrong. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost, so, it's it's almost it's, enlightening at some point, you know, like where you come to a point where you're, when you do realize and you can get over that hump and start talking about it. Because, I mean, we talk about this stuff all the time and, and, you know, I know it helps us out. It helps other people. But, like, you, we're, we're, we've on, we're on another subject of, of, you know, stigma. You know, without the Me Too movement, we wouldn't know a lot of stuff either. But, you know, you're confident enough to, to talk and share your story. Uh, and just a lot of people are not comfortable talking about their story, you know, no matter how mm -hmm. deep it got or, or if it was a chance or whatever the case, it, none of it's none of it's good. But the fact that, you know, there's so many people out there that are holding on to stories like this is tragic. Yes. Well, really I would is. say as, as she's telling me this story and telling us this story, I, I have a friend right now whose daughter is actually going through something similar. Um, and I can't help but think of her and I don't I don't not obviously not going to out their situation, but her situation ended much worse than yours. And mm. she confronted the person. I guess she was staying. She's a freshman in college and it's a co-ed dorm and the guy lives in her dorm. Oh, no, she can't get away from him. <laughs> and, well, she saw him the next day and he literally looked at her and went, I own you now. Oh, oh my god that's so horrible needless to say she's not there anymore but you're 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 saying this story and all i all i can see is is her in the or all i can hear is her in the back of my head and it's just like it, it, it's so it, it's, frustrating it's so frustrating to hear it, 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 yeah it's frustrating to hear that there are assholes like this in the world and we know they exist but you know when it when it hits close to home it makes it reality yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you hear you hear the, the the horror stories and you know the the Lifetime movies and this and that and the other, but it, it, it's fictional until it hits home. Yeah, yeah, and it goes back to what Brandon was saying, like the whole crossroads thing. So it's like, yes, this horrible thing happened. There's nothing that you can do to control it. But so if someone comes to you and says, you know, I've been sexually assaulted. It's the crossroads thing. It's like, okay, what can I do to help make a difference in this person's life, to help this person, you know, to be there for this person, to be supportive, um, to not shy away and like, and, you know, reject the person's feelings. So um, when I was, uh, when this happened to me, um, I almost didn't graduate because I was having a hard time even leaving my apartment. Um, like it was really difficult to even just go to the grocery store because that's the funny thing too. Cause anxiety makes you feel like, um, at least for me, everyone's ex uh, experience is different, but for me, it makes me feel like everyone's always watching me. I was like, you're and constantly like, looking over your shoulder. Yes. Yeah. And then I was, I was literally stalked. So it's like, if you put those two things together, like the paranoia is just crazy. And, um, so uh, I had a really hard time just even leaving my house and I missed classes and it was just such an eye opener because I went to my one professor and I remember, um, she was like, Oh, you can't, you can't make it up. Like you can't, this is not a valid excuse. Like you already missed so much classwork. You can't make it up. And I was like, you are a woman professor who is 
educated and I'm coming to you and telling you this story and saying, and I mean, it was a month of maybe a month and a half before school was over. Mm. And I was like, I'm, I'm ready to do the work. Like I just couldn't, like I couldn't do the work before. And so I ended up having to go to the Dean of students. And I was so worried. Like I said, like worst case scenario, Oh my God, like I'm not going to graduate because I'm going to fail this class. Like so worried. And the Dean of students is like, Oh, don't worry, girl. Like I got you. (laughs) And like typed up all these emails and was like, you don't even worry. You just go home and start working on your homework. Like I got you. And I was like, Oh my God, life's like the crossroad. Like she made a huge difference in my life, huge difference. And it was just because she decided to be, uh, to have a good person. Yeah, to have empathy yeah. and be like, you know, let me put myself in your shoes. And who knows, maybe she had been in my shoes before. But was she was like, you know, yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh, thank you. Like for the, there are people out there who aren't going to support you and who don't understand, who don't get it, who are privileged enough to not have an experience like them happen, like this happen to them. But then there's other people who are just like saints who will help you so much, who will be there for you. And it's just so important to focus on those types of people instead of like, Oh, well this person didn't help me just focus. You know what? This person did help you. So let's just focus on that. Just keep moving forward. Did you ever um, figure out who the person was? Yes, I did figure out who the person was. And that's the weird thing because it's like, it's hard because I couldn't really. um, So when I found out that, I was being stalked. Uh, I had to call the police because I was like, this is still going on. And I feel like I could potentially still be in danger. Um, but when it first happened, like when the guy was in my room, it was difficult because it was like, I hadn't actually been like sexually assaulted. Like I, we did let him into our house. We let him stay, uh, like on our couch. Like, it's not like he was breaking and entering. And so whoa, it was whoa, really whoa, difficult. Wait, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. You locked your door. He broke in. Yeah, That's, exactly. breaking and That's entering. true. That's true. Breaking and entering my room. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 negate that. Don't. That is no. true. <laughs> yeah. That is true. So it yeah, it was just difficult, and it was like, oh, well, I haven't like nothing technically really happened, and then I couldn't prove that he was stalking me. So it was this whole thing. And actually, um, when I talked to my landlord, I because uh, I was like, we need to get some more like security measures. So um, like light sensor or movement sensor um, lights and things like that. I needed a new light. And my landlord was like, oh, you can go. You can pay for that. You can go go find Fuck. a light. Man. I was like, oh, you can't pay for a $10 light bulb after what I just told you? Like, are you kidding me? You're not going to help me out? So Fuck. it's just so funny. Like, that's kind of why. The people, I, the people in this world, man. I, I, know. I know. That's why I just, I mean, it's good to focus on the positives. And like, it's, it definitely made me much stronger. Like, I'm, I'm. I don't, I mean, it's kind of sad because yes, I lost trust in most people and, you know, um, I kind of have to rely on myself more now. So it's kind of something I look at as a positive is, uh, I can get through, if I can get through that shit, like I can get through whatever I want. So it's like, uh, I just kind of rely on myself a little more and I'm like, use it as fuel. Yeah, exactly. Fuel to to fuel to the flame. And that's like kind of a, it was like a, like, yeah, like you said, Brandon, like a crossroad. That's, um, so I, before I moved out to California, I had a year at home after graduating for many reasons for, um, just cause I wanted to be with my family. I wanted to get over what was going on in my head a little bit more and kind of have 
you know, my family around me before I moved, I was either going to try to pursue an indoor career in, in Europe, or I was going to move to the West coast and play beach. So I was like, before I make any serious decisions, I just need to be at home with my family and like recover right. from right. everything. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, so I was just one day, I remember I was thinking after I posted like the me too thing, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let somebody else stop me from being who I am. I'm going to go out to California. I'm going to make it. And then I'm going to share this story with everyone so that other people realize that just because this traumatic event has happened to you doesn't mean that you can't be like who you were supposed to be still. And that's awesome. We, we, we talk about, we talk about aha moments all the time. Yeah. I would Um, say we we always, everybody has an aha moment. Aha moment. And something, yeah, it's like, Oh, the oh shit. Like, and you said something a while back, uh, um, about your anxiety. You said, I think you said you were sitting in in a car with your friends, listening to music, windows rolling down or, you know, not wanting to feel what you were feeling anymore. And you know, that's how it was for me too. It's like, I would, I would start to ask myself, Myself many times, like, I am I supposed to feel like this for the rest of my life? Yeah. Like, I don't think no. this is it. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think this. This doesn't. This doesn't seem right. Like, I don't want to feel like this for the rest of my life. This is no way for anybody to live, live their life. Then you start thinking of ways out of it. That's when shit gets complicated. And then you have your aha moment, which you know, mine. I've told before. I thought I was having a heart attack because I forgot to take some medication in the morning, and I'm like, dude. You cannot do this anymore. So that that's that aha like switch. I'm going to see a professional and everything's yes. just great since then. But but that's the thing. Like you, we all say we there's all parts of everybody's story that we always talk to that you, you know we relate to. And the same language comes out of our mouths when we're dealing with these issues, these mental health issues. And you know, it's just it's just crazy. It's crazy. I'm glad you're I'm glad you're you're okay and you turned it into such a positive and you've moved on with life and you're out in California and you're kicking ass. I mean, I think it's it's awesome. Fuck that guy, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was gonna say we we we'd be, be remiss if we didn't get the end the end of this story. What what ended up happening with him? Uh, nothing. Or- I didn't. I didn't uh, like pursue anything criminally because, like I said, it was just such a weird situation and and it's it's hard because. What, was it a fear? How, was it a fear of retribution? No, it was more like I was just so like relieved that I hadn't actually been raped. That yeah. I was like, I was just like, I need to do whatever I need to do um, to get over this. And so, like, I mean, I re- uh, reported him to the university, um, but I did. There wasn't really like any punishment for him, um, like which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, sure. which is unfortunate because, and that's what I mean. It's really annoying. Just like the police can't really do anything unless something has happened to you. Like they're you like broke the in your room thing. and touched you. <laughs> I mean, well, well, I was just saying, and, and here's the thing: that obviously wasn't the first time he'd done that. Oh, yeah. I doubt it was the last. He got away with it. Wow. So what you're yeah. saying is. After we sign off, you will gladly give me his information, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Spoken like a true girl, Dad. <laughs> well, I, know what, yes. I know people. Yeah, we both know people. Uh, yeah, we do. You know, something you said earlier that, that really resonated with me that I, I hope you don't mind, I, I want to go back on. You were talking about the depression that you dealt with. And a lot of times the stigma around that is, oh, well, the person's always sad or the person's, you know, always down. And, you know, 
the depression I deal with was very similar to what you've dealt with where you just didn't feel anything. Yeah. You know, and yeah, which is worse to me personally. It's like, uh, it's just like, I don't care. Not even that I get sad. It's so weird. It's just that I'm like, I really, I don't give a shit. Like it's so difficult because I'm someone who cares so much about things. Like just as my boyfriend, I get so fired up about certain like things that are like important to me. And with depression, it was just like, uh, I just don't, I didn't care. It was just like numb for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, like with my anxiety, I get more sad, but I still look at that as well, at least I'm feeling like, at least I'm, I'm feeling something. At least I feel like shit. Yeah. I'd rather feel like shit than not care about anything and not care yeah, exactly. That totally triggers an interview. You almost verbatim said everything that he he said. Um, I'm not I'm not sure if you're familiar with Chester Bennington in Lincoln Park, um, but uh, I he am. Did an, okay, he did an interview. Um, I think it was in Europe somewhere, and he was talking about the different levels of depression. He was very open about his his depression, and he he said almost exactly what he said. He was like. There's, he's like, there's, there's like sad and depressive stuff. And then there's, there's chronic depression that you need to be medicated for. And, and, and he's like, you know, when I was going through stages, he's like, you know, my life was fucked. And, and, and he goes, when, when you're depressed like that, uh, you don't, you don't want, you don't want anything. You don't want to feel anything. You're, you're not happy. You're not sad. He's like, I, he goes, I empathize. I want, you know, a, a sociopath. And I guess his therapist was like, wait, so you don't want to be a human? And he goes, yep. That's what, that's what, that's it. I don't want to be a human. He didn't want to feel anything. He's like, all you want to do. And he started to say crawl and he took the word back um, uh, because it's, it's like the deepest song that he's ever written lyrics to and didn't want to say it and said a, another word. And he was like, you just want to go into a corner, shrivel up and fucking die. And the whole yeah. time you're fuck everyone. He kept saying, fuck everyone. I hate you. Get fuck away from me. And I mean, when you say something like that, he's got, I think it was like five kids, a wife and bandmates and all kinds of stuff. And you're in an interview saying, fuck everyone. I hate you. Get away from me. I mean, that's scary shit. Yeah, it really is. It's so scary. It's, it's so eye opening because I had a friend. Um, his name was Eric Zahn and he was from the East coast, just like me. And he moved out to play beach volleyball in uh, Southern California, just like me. Uh, I kind of, he did it basically. He was me, but like three years ahead <laughs> and better at volleyball. He was better. <laughs> um, and so I just always looked up to him cause I'd go to all these big tournaments and he would win them. And he'd always be like, Hey, like East coast represent, like let's go big dog. And like, would always be cheering me on. And like, I just saw this guy who was uh, so young and just so sure of himself and so talented. And I really looked up to him because I had a lot in common with him. And then just, I think it was about a year ago, uh, he committed suicide. And no one even had any idea what was going on because it was like, I mean, he was so successful and he was young and he was handsome. And it was like, oh, my God, like, how did we not see this coming? 
And it's because we think that depression looks like, you know, sweatpants, haven't showered in five days, like super yep. like bags under your eyes. And sometimes it does look like that, at least for me. <laughs> so you, you, leave, you leave my Tuesdays out of this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, but then there's also people who kind of put on a front and like, you know, they're like, oh, happy, happy, happy. But really inside it's something is going on. You know, it's something funny. It's so funny on. you say that because every person we've talked to, I, you know, I, I call it a double life because, yeah. you know, and, and I've made this reference before and anybody that listens to the podcast is, is probably sick of it. But, you know, you have a public perception or a public image and then you have the image that you are the person yeah. that you are. And, and a lot of times it's two totally different things, you yeah, know, and, sure. you know, everybody in the public wants to see that yeah, big personality, that larger than life, whatever, when you're really an introvert that, you know, is totally opposite from that. And it's, it's so funny, Brandon, because everybody we've talked to has made this same yep. analogy. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, and no, I'm sorry. It's go also ahead. sad. It's also sad because it's like some days I push people away because it's easier than having to deal with all the shit that's going on. It's like, yeah, like people will be like, how are you? And I'll be like, I'm good because it's just easier to be like, oh, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to talk about it. Like it's, it's hard because you get like clogged up and you're like holding these feelings in, holding these feelings in all day. And it's like, just let it out. Like it's okay. And things will feel better if you let it out and you talk to someone. Like I promise. And it's so funny because I will still catch myself doing that. Like I'll come home and my boyfriend will be like, Hey, how are you doing? And I'll be like, I'm good. And then I'm like, actually, no, I'm not good. You're and let fine. Me talk to you about it. Yeah. I'm fine. Well, You're fine. fine. Yeah, fine we, we, yeah, just just so you know yeah. we've done a whole show on i'm fine i'm fine <laughs> yeah like seriously it, it, it's crazy too because it's it's one or the other you know you have like you're saying uh, your friend uh, uh in sports that uh, died by suicide you, you know i bring it up as much as i possibly can whenever i can because people don't talk about it enough and, and people just don't understand it. And you, you have someone that's happy go looking like that. And everybody's like, Oh my God, I didn't know. Or you have, um, a musician that died by suicide where yeah. every single song he, and lyrics he wrote about were a depressive shit in in his own mind. And one song is even about a suicide letter. I mean, and then when it happens, you have assholes around the world going, saw that coming. Like fuck you! Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's one of my hot buttons for. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. So, and if like people will look at you, like look at someone who's talented, and be like, "Oh, they don't have anything to worry about." And it's the same with like people who are rich. I mean, if you look at Kate Spade, she was so talented. She had money. She had family, and it's like. Why would she, why would she do it? And it's like, because something is like off in her brain. Like people don't understand that you're literally diagnosed. Like it's, it's not something that she can, like, it's not something she can handle, obviously. And it's yeah. like, it's just so crazy because some people are super understanding and that's like what we should focus on. But at the same time, it's like, Oh God, like I want to convince these people that they like just have the wrong opinion. Like they need to be more open, more compassionate, more understanding. Um, so yeah, it's just, I mean, people think that if you have talent, that everything in your life, is perfect, and that's not how life is like for anyone. So you don't, yeah, you don't get that, that special card in the mail that you can slap in your purse yeah. wallet. It's going to be all right for the rest of your life. I say that yeah. all the time and I'll say, I'll keep saying it all the time because it's so it's so damn true. 
you just you just don't know. Everybody out there, famous or not, they're still human. They're still yeah. human, and they still function the same exact way as anybody else. And they can have just as much just as much fucked up shit going on in their head as you do or don't. So be fucking kind. And you kept saying, yeah. "Let it out, let it out." What we what we typically do uh, is uh, we always do our post with the hashtag "Get It Out." That's kind of our thing. Oh, cool! That's so, awesome. I like that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, getting it out is uh, getting it out is is, is therapeutic, and uh, you know. I think uh, a lot of people should get it out a little bit more, but yeah. So at this point in the game, how are you now? Now I am much more self-aware. So I will still have bad days. Um, just like probably four or five days ago, I ended kind of like a depression episode where I was just like super sad for like a week. But I mean, that kind of makes sense because of everything that's been going on. Um, I haven't been able, I mean, and same with everybody. There's everybody's just so thrown off track. We're all being challenged right now. Yeah, exactly. It makes total sense. And it's like, just, I just, so I have, um, certain things that I do, um, to help cope with everything. I used to be on medication, but that didn't work for me. Um, it ended up giving me, uh, I was, uh, uh, I couldn't sleep at night at all. So I had insomnia. I mean, I'm, the, like, I'm the worst insomniac of all time. Oh, it's me so too, hard. Me too. I don't know why, but I, I go through phases where you can almost set a clock to it. I sleep two hours oh, that's and then I'm awake and I'm, I'm not like awake. I'm like wide awake. And yeah, yeah, see, it's horrible. Yeah. Oh. my mind, my mind just does not stop at night. So I'll yeah. look at the, I'll want my watch and it's four in the morning. And I'm like, dude, like, yeah. So for when I can't sleep at night, because, uh, usually when I can't sleep at night, it's because I have anxiety. When I have depression, all I want to do is sleep. (laughs) So when I have anxiety and I'm like, Oh, I need to do this and like schedule a dentist appointment. And then, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Like with my dentist appointment, if it goes wrong or, Oh, I need to, where did I park my car? Am I going to get a ticket? So when I'm thinking (laughs) like that, like it's the craziest thing that I think of that I worry about. And it's like, okay, I will actually just put something on. So before I go to sleep, I listen to like the office or uh, Harry Potter or something like something just for my brain to think about that will relax me and distract me from my problems. That really helps me a lot. And then um, I have like uh, breathing exercises that I do. Um, I obviously work out all the time <laughs> when I can, when they let us outside <laughs> right. and then I journal. Um, I do a lot of journaling. Like you said, get it out. Sometimes you don't feel comfortable talking to someone. So you can just write everything you want on, on a piece of paper. And it just makes me feel so much better. I do the same um, exact thing. Yeah. It makes you feel so much better. It's such a good release. And it's like, you can just say whatever you want, no judgment, like go ahead and just write it down on a piece of paper and get it out of your head and onto the paper and just let the paper deal with it. (laughs) So that's like what I do. I just have like little like tricks that I kind of get through. Um, but yeah, the, the depression medication, uh, I ended up like, um, people don't talk about that kind of stuff enough either. Like I, we do. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. yeah. I was I was just about to ask you. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I think uh, you know. I I I. I if maybe I could sponsor Zoloft, I would, or let them sponsor me. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's so literally funny. saved my life. And me and yes. my buddy were talking about it on a, a couple of uh, podcasts ago. But uh, if you're willing, what what kind of medications did you take, and how did they affect you? 
Um, I was on like three different medications. I know I was on Lexapro at one point. I don't even remember the other ones that I was on. It was like years ago. Um, but like everyone is just so different. Like for some people like you, that's awesome that you found something that works for you. But Mm -hmm. I saw a statistic like the other day that said like a certain amount of people who seek help and like seek medication don't end up seeing results. And like the statistic was so high. I was like, Oh my gosh, like here are people like reaching out saying I need medication. And it's still like the science isn't a hundred percent. And that's tough because it's like something in your brain where it's not like, Oh, here's a cut. Here's a bandaid and you know, cortisone yeah. or whatever you need. Like here, here's this thing that will help you. And we know it will help you. So like with depression medication, I was like on a bunch of different ones and um, I ended up, you know, being an insomniac. <laughs> I ended up uh, gaining like 40 pounds on uh, one of the medications uh, and just, it just wasn't working for me. And I was like, Oh, this is so frustrating because mm-hmm. it's not like here, this is what's wrong. And here's the solution. It's like, it's such a, a well, it's not, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, exactly. It's like it, life. It's like up and down and up and down and some yeah, things work and some things it, don't. Yeah. It's not a cure-all. I, you know, I praise it so much because it really is, uh, it, re- it really has changed my life, but it's a multiple, there's other things, you know, that, uh, go along with it that have changed my life as well. Um, but you can, you know, and that's one thing that a, a lot of people are very scared to try those medications for. You said you gained 40 pounds. Like there's a, a few of those that, that are prone to do that. Uh, and yeah. we talk about that stuff in great length, but I can, I don't want to, I'm not, you know, to, be the other side of the coin for what you're saying about the statistics and stuff like that. Uh, I would, I would be on the other side of the, the coin of, as a success story. However, yeah, exactly. Um, and everyone you know, is so different. Exactly. And exactly. Everyone's brains are so different. So you just have to like not give up and keep trying to find what is going to work for you, whether that's right. being on medication, whether it's switching your medication, whether it's maybe taking a break and then trying it again, or maybe it didn't work for you and you can find another outlet. Um, like maybe therapy or something so it's well, yeah i think there's a mixture of all kinds of that stuff especially all the yeah. stuff you do to, to for yourself and whatnot but but for the there, there's other people that just stop taking those things and that's really scary because that's when really really crazy shit can happen yeah. uh, and i know that, and i've and there are a ton of stories uh where that's been the case where they stop taking the medication and then you have suicide ideations and you know bad can lead to bad but you know just crazy, crazy. Yeah, people. just don't. Um, well, I uh, actually am a huge Twenty One Pilots fan. Do you guys like them? Oh hell yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, yes, I love them. So I have a Twenty One Pilots tattoo actually, because you know they're all about mental health, and um, I like what their lead singer says: just stay alive, like stay alive. At the end of the day, just stay alive. Keep trying. Keep, you know, keep fighting. Just keep fighting and keep trying to work things out and think outside the box and see if there's like things that you haven't thought of that might work for you and just keep like, you know, get, keep getting back up. That's just like, get, the best advice that I can. Yeah, exactly. The best advice that I can give, like you're going to get knocked down. Like everyone's going to get knocked down at some point. You just got to keep getting back up. Well, Kenzie Clespies, we know you're a, uh tight on time because you've got this little thing called work you've got to go do. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> but, uh, I'm an essential worker. <laughs> well, that, that, in this day and age, that's a good thing. So uh, yeah. let everybody yeah. know where they can find you on social media. Um, my Instagram is at Kenzie Klespies. My last name is K-L-E-E-S-P-I-E-S. And then my Facebook and Twitter are all under the same name. So 
Well, Kenzie, we we really appreciate the time, and I swear to God, I think we could talk for hours. Uh, This this has been an awesome conversation, and we really appreciate the time. And you know, we're so glad that you know you're on the other side of that. And uh, you know, luckily, it wasn't worse than what it was. And uh, you know, everything is good with you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This was so awesome. It was a huge step for me to be able to talk about this stuff on a platform other than, you know, just typing um, behind my cell phone or computer screen. It's awesome that I got to come on and tell my story. And hopefully I'll be able to relate to some people out there listening and just know that you're not alone. And thank you so much for having me. Well, you have an open door and anytime there's anything at all that we can do for you, just reach out and, uh, Guys, uh, thank you guys for listening and thank you guys for downloading every week. The the support that Brandon and I have gotten about this podcast has been insane. Uh, it, it's been so much more than I think either one of us could have ever dreamed of when we launched this thing you know, last fall. And, Without a doubt. Uh, yeah, and, and we appreciate it. And, you know, please spread the word. Let everybody know that, you know, that we're doing this. And, you know, and, and again, you know, we're not professionals. We're just a couple of guys. You know, we're just starting the conversation. And, and we think that's that's a big place to big place to start. You know, things don't progress isn't made without without communication. So, yes, definitely. Absolutely. So, Kenzie, again, thank you so much for the time, guys. We appreciate it for Brandon Thompson. My name is Jerry P. Tuck. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, don't forget to hashtag get it out. This is an MJ Morning Show podcast quick fix on Radio Influence. Johnny Stinkface, it was simple. He was supposed to be a really aggressive shock jock on the air, but off the air, he was a very nice. So he would call up his his interviewers and be like, hey, it's Johnny Stinkface. Just uh, want to get prepared for our interview here and, and just want to talk. And then when he gets on the air, he's just a shock jock talking about tits and tsunamis. <laughs> All right, here, here we go. Hello, this is Dr. speaking. Hi, um, Dr. Yes, this is she. Hi, hey, what's going on? It's Johnny. Um, I contacted you over email uh, a couple yeah, days yeah. ago. You remember yeah, me? Hi, Johnny. Sure I do. Hi, how you doing? Great, great, great. You're so nice. I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I know you're really busy. Oh, and, that's um, right, all right. Now, let me explain to you how this show works. Um, okay. Of course, my name is Johnny, and uh, this is my normal speaking voice. Now, when we start recording the interview, and I actually hit record, I'm going to turn into my character that I play on the air, which is named Johnny Stankface. Okay. All right. It's it's totally not who I am, but I'm sort of forced to do it. You know, I, I got to have a job, you know? <laughs> you remember my name, just in case? Yes, I do. What is it? Stinker? St- Stankface. Stankface. Stankface? face? Yes, Stank. Johnny Stankface. Okay? Stankface. All right, so uh, let's get started with the interview here. And, uh, and are we ready to record? Okay. All right, Johnny Stankface show coming down. Three, two, and... Yeah! All right, welcome back. Another edition of the most exciting, most shocking, most in-your-face radio show in all of America, the Johnny Stankface show. Welcome, everybody. Starting off the show with a bang. We got a guest on the line. Aren't you there? I'm I'm here. What are you laughing at? 
The MJ Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, mjmorningshow.com, and radioinfluence.com.